BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet. On, our, on today's episode, I got with me Billy Richards. Um, Billy, explain to everyone who, who you are. All right, so my name is Billy Richards. Um, I'm, a, you know, I'm a personal trainer. I live in New York. I'm also a veteran. I served uh, four years in the Marine Corps, three years in the Army. And towards the end of my uh, second term when I was in the Army, I started getting into endurance events and everything. And um, currently, I run endurance events carrying the American flag to honor my friends that aren't around. And, um, you know, like um, when I started with the endurance events, it started out with yeah, just like um, it started out with an army birthday, 10 mile, and then it graduated to marathons. And I got into the obstacle racing realm, you know, shortly after I got out of the military. And, um, you know, I've done over 100 Spartan races. I've attempted a world record before, which is what most people know me for. I've, um, I had the world record at the time was 41, 100 milers in a year, you know, 100 mile ultra marathon. So a run mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, a hundred miles or more. And, um, I did that. I managed to get 37 of them before I went down with an injured hip. And at the moment right now, you know, with, with my injury and everything, like I can't really run continuously. So I went back to doing more, you know, more on the Spartan side because the obstacles break up the running a little bit. So this year I currently have uh, 10 Spartan trifectas. So a Spartan trifecta for those people that don't know, it's when you do the uh, sprint super beast in a, um, in a single calendar year. And I've done that 10 times this year so far with five of the, with uh, actually no, um, I, I correct that six of those being ultra distance uh, beasts which the ultra is uh, about a 50 K. So a 31 mile obstacle yep. race. And, um, you know, currently, um, I think I'm at 112 races with the American flag wow. as far as uh, Spartan goes, but overall I'm at 404. So wow. I've carried that up. Yeah. And, um, I didn't start out with the American flag. I started out just, uh, running, and then um, I started the carry just to honor my friends. And um, it, it actually started in 4th of July of 2015. So from 4th of July of 2015 till now, I've done over 400 events with it. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, what made you think of trying to, starting to do them with the flag? Well, originally, I the year before I started with the flag, I started doing everything with a 45-pound backpack. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, this 45 pounds is the standard uh, training load for, you know, like infantry slash, you know, it's um, like EIB standard. And, um, you know, I, uh, I did it to, to symbolize the hardships that uh, the military goes through and everything. And then the following year, I added the flag to it. Yeah, just as a way. And then uh, also, too, on top of that, I've done a, I've, I've used the American flag to, for many causes, like outside of just the military. I raised um, I raised awareness in uh, 2016 towards, uh, you know, the struggles the police were having. So I did a thank the police tour where I handed out thank you cards and a separate American flag for every precinct that I ran for. And I uh, ran around the country for about two weeks doing that. 
Wow. I mean, it was a little longer than two weeks, though, but the actual like tour itself, I was only able to get like two weeks off work. So I pretty much, um, you know, I started, I'm, I'm from uh, Long Island, uh, New York. So I started up there. I went as far south as Miami and then as far west as uh, San Diego. And then I came back across and I stopped, you know, over the whole course of it, I stopped at about 39 precincts. Wow. That's, that's impressive. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, like right now, currently, um, you know, I said, I still run with the flag. I, you know, I still run with the flag, obviously, but um, you know, right now it's mostly just been Spartan races and stuff like that. Cause um, well, the, you know, the VA says I need a hip replacement, but you know, eventually, eventually I'll get one. They won't do it cause I'm too young. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. And, and that's, Oh, that's gotta be tough. I mean, that's been the hardest thing for me. That's my biggest worry right now is, you know, cause I'm 45 pushing myself, trying to make all this stuff work. Um, and I'm just worried that I'm going to have one of those where all of a sudden my, I'm going to have an injury that says I can't do it anymore. And I mean, I've come close a couple of times. I shattered my foot a couple of years ago and did a few other things and had some injuries where like after my foot, they told me I'd never run again. And I said, yeah, watch me. Um, yeah. they always say stuff like that. Yeah. You figure out ways to make it work though. They do. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I got it going again. I started running it. It took me a couple of years though. I took a, you know, a couple of years and took a break, gained a bunch of weight. And then I, I started running again and all that and lost a bunch of it again. But um, it's gotta be interesting to run with the flag though. I mean, I've seen a couple of people do it on Spartan races. Um, how, how do you get around some of the obstacles? I mean, do you carry it while you're doing all the obstacles? I'd say some of them would be a little difficult because, I mean, I, obviously you're not taking with you on the dunk wall and stuff like that. So you're not going to dunk that thing under the water. But, I mean, how do you how do you deal with it on the, the obstacles? Do you just have a team with you and you can pass it off? or? So with the stuff that requires two hands, like monkey bars, twisters, mm -hmm. stuff like that, I'll, I'll usually either ask a fellow racer or I'll have the volunteer hold it for that. But um, I pretty much taught myself to jump over the walls with it. So I'll kind of just pin the wall under my arm. And then, you know, so I'll do like a chip, like the uh, chicken wing method. And then I'll use my outside leg to hook over. And then I'll kind of spin the flag over the top. But, I'll, you know, I have it furled up when I do that. And then I've figured out how to do the barbed wire crawl. But just simply by rolling and spinning the flag under the wire. I, ha I have videos on, you know, like an Instagram of me doing it somewhere. But um you know, I pretty much like helicopter spin as I'm rolling and it never hits the ground and it stays under the wire. No, that's, I, I'm definitely, I actually, um, I actually taught myself that at uh, Killington last year because I got to the barbed wire and, you know, in the past I've had a volunteer hold it, but there were no, they were short on volunteers that day. So there was no one at the barbed wire crawl. So I just, I just figured out a way to do it and it worked. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You, you found an obstacle and got over it. That's what most of us Spartan races learn how to do. So Yep. I mean, and, and it's pretty fascinating to see. I mean, I know you said you did the 45 pounds. I've done, I did once. I did the Montana Beast, the whole, like the trifecta weekend one year with a 20 pound pack. And that was bad enough. But yeah, that's, a, that's a tough event too, uh, Montana. Oh yeah. I, I had a yeah, friend who told me that they didn't think I could do it. And I'm like, watch me. So I put on a 20 pound pack and just did the entire trifecta weekend. I was not happy with myself by the end of it, but I did it. So yeah, some of those obstacles are difficult with the pack when you got that much weight, like uh bender as I came up and over the top of bender, the pack shifted oh. and actually like almost pulled me the rest of the way, you know, all the way over the side because it was like, all of a sudden it shifted as I flipped over the top. So I had a couple of times where the, the pack, you forget it's there. And then all of a sudden it doesn't moves in the wrong way. And you're like, Oh, now I remember that thing. So. 
Yeah, I um I did a lot of um, obstacle races with the forty five pound pack, but I um I stopped doing it after a tough mutter in twenty sixteen. I was on the Funky Monkey two obstacle, which mm-hmm. is the one where it goes monkey bars to to a swing to a long floating pole. And um, I stopped doing it because towards the end of the floating pole, I ruptured my right bicep tendon. So I ended up having to go under the knife for it. I still finished the obstacle somehow, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But, you know, I went to, you know, I went to the VA a couple of days afterwards and then, you know, had an MRI and everything and my bicep tendon was off the bone by uh, two centimeters. So it's not a good thing. So. No, not at all. I mean, I, I overcame it. Uh, it really didn't stop me much. I just shift my emphasis from doing obstacles that year to just doing like uh, road races and ultra marathons. So I was pretty much like back out there about 10 days after the surgery while I was still in a hard cast. I just uh, carried the uh, American flag in my left arm and um, I still, I, um, I took the sling and I cinched my arm down real tight so my bicep wouldn't start to activate. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, the first race back, I did a 5K and then a uh, five mile, a five mile in the same weekend. And then, like three weeks after that, I did a uh, 50 mile charity run. Yeah, you know, like pretty much like right off the operating table. So you know, I've I've done a lot of crazy stuff. Thought I did some crazy things. I did Hawaii one year with a broken foot, so my foot was still in the boot. Uh, yeah, Hawaii is a tough one. I just did that one this year. Yeah, so did I. I was there again this year. So it was, oh, okay. and this year was probably actually, I'll be honest, I've done it four times now. And this was probably the okay. worst year. This was the toughest year. They figured out how to use those hills from nicely. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I did, I did the uh, ultra with the trifecta this year. And you know, getting that flag through the jungle was miserable. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. So that's crazy. So you, and you said you do the, the 100 milers, but you kind of backed off because of the hip injury. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, after my injury, I did um, I did attempt the Blood Rock 100, but uh, but I ended up distance dropping to the 55k because my uh, back started to freeze up, my hip, you know, my back and hip started to freeze up and everything. That's one in Alabama, and that had about I think it was like 28 or 27, 28 thousand feet of gain. So it was like a mountain race, which is one. Of, it was a mountain race with an extended cutoff. You know, so I figured you know it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother the hip quite as much, but yeah, it just kept uh, freezing. But, um, but yeah, like, um, yeah, I've done, I've done, I've done several things. Like, um, I've, I've raised money for charity here and there too. Like, um, 20, um, 2017, I did, uh, the Texas quad, which is four marathons in four days. I did that with a 45 pound pack and flag wow. and, uh, that I, ra- I raised money for an organization called boots on the ground. Uh, they, they went under during COVID. But back then, um, I carried 45 pounds of uh, canned goods, and then I donated the canned goods to charity after I was done. And then um, I also had another stint, like right before I did the 100 milers, where I found this. Um, I found this series called the Savage Seven, and they uh, introduced 50ks with it. So what the Savage Seven is is they do you do seven marathons in seven days, and uh, they had a, they had an upgrade to a 50k option. So I ended up uh, finishing all, all seven 50ks while carrying the American flag. And then three weeks after that is when I, um, you know, when I decided to do the hundred mile challenge. Wow. That's, that's impressive. That's some distance. I mean, I've, I was impressed with myself doing a hundred miles in a month, but. (laughs) 
but that's been my goal. I've done a hundred miles a month every month since May of 2020, but I mean, a hundred right. miles, I have never, the, the most I've done in a row is 45. So actually 44, because what okay. I usually do is my, my birthday every year, I run my age. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I run my age. So this shit last year was 44. So in December this year, I'll have to run 45 miles. So, so it's been, I always run my age. So it's just kind of a, it's, it's something that I've started like two or three, it was what, three years ago now, I think I started it and it was just, let's see if I can do it for fun. And I just freaking, I actually, that one was a birthday party pretty much. We met at uh, the um, high school by my house and I just ran the track. But I had like all my friends would show up throughout the day and we'd have like, you know, cake and ice cream and whatever while i was running so and just kind of had the birthday party where they all just met me it was pretty cool yeah it was a fun little thing so and then it just became a habit so although last year i did do it it was brutal i did it on the treadmill so that's miserable i actually it wasn't so bad i i have the treadmill because i have one in my garage and i just have a my ipad or actually that's that time i like put a tv in front of it and just turned on like my favorite show and just ran on the treadmill and watched my show you know binge watched it's like it's better than sitting on the couch and binge watching i guess <laughs> yeah like you did it you know, keeps the mind occupied yeah and that's it i i like to my, me for running and i'm one of those ones i know some people always talk about how they hate running and distance i did when i was younger but as i've gotten older i like the distance running because the beats it's become my like meditation well me i i like um i like running more for speed and believe it or not i actually actually don't like like distance running well i mean i'm more of a gym guy mm -hmm. but it's a little different when there's like a, an objective involved with it though so like um it's more like it's it's something it's something that i'm like trying to achieve you know so like uh like the 100 mile distance for example i guess it brings me back to the military time because you're trying to hit different objectives by like different check or you know but you're hitting different checkpoints by like different times mm -hmm. or by certain by a certain time so like usually like hundred milers, like the, the average cutoff is like 30 hours, you know, whereas like some of the, some of the ones on more brutal terrain that might extend them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So like that, that year I did it, I knocked out the first 15 of them before I even hit a DNF. Then my first DNF was like a race I should have like easily gotten through it was the keys 100, but I had um I had torn something in my shin the week before at the Blood Root Ultra. I'm not if you're familiar with that one. It's mm. a um, it's a, it's an ultra marathon in Pittsfield, Vermont. So it, it's run by Peak Races. So that's a Spartan sister company. Uh, Joe DeSena is the, the same owner of the Peak Races. Actually, came before Spartan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Peak Races more testing your limits. Spartan, you know, like Spartan stemmed off the death race and everything, which is also under Peak Races. But, um, you know, Pittsville's the, the next town over from Killington. So, you know, the, he's got like a small little mountain in his backyard and you just yep. run up and down it. You do like uh, 10, 10 mile loops. And um, <clears throat> I think only two, only two of us finished that year. But there was, there was this one section like around eight miles in where there was like a, a, down, a 40 degree downgrade that stopped at a creek crossing. So you had to put on the brakes real fast. And I think it was like right around that moment, like I, I stopped like right before I hit the creek crossing, I felt a little pop in my shin. And I had like about 22 miles left in the race. So I hobbled the last 22 miles and I still came off with the finish. 
But then um, the next week was at Keys 100. And I still made it to about miles, like around like 65 or so. But, you know, I taped up my shit in the last ditch effort to get out there. And I ended up um, going to the point where it was just misery, just trying to stand. So I DNF that one. And then I had the t- and then I took a week or two after that. And then I picked right back up, you know, but like that year I totaled out from November of 2018 till November of 2019 with uh 37, 100 mile finishes. Wow. And um, yeah, like my longest stretch, like of consecutive weekends was 12. And that was the last 12 I did. And a tunnel, tunnel hill, surprisingly, which is is pretty it's pretty flat and fast though. But it's like um, it's classified as a trail race, but there's a lot of like hard packed surface that's like borderline like pavement. So that's mm-hmm. the one that kind of did my hip in like towards the end of it though. That's the one where the last like five six miles of it, I just hobbled in like I could barely stand, but somehow I pulled off the finish. And then I um, then I ended up. Um, you know, the following week at a 24 hour race, it was called the Saddler's Creek stumble. And I pretty much stumbled off the starting line and had to pull out like after one 10 K loop. And that was what ended it. Cause like I could, I just couldn't keep going. Yeah. And sometimes that's one of the things that's hardest. I think for me is when all of a sudden you're like, okay, I need to step back. I need to stop, you know? And I've had a couple races where it was that, you know, you have that thought in your brain. It's like, yeah, my body's telling me I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you like you can override the pain like when you're zoned in, but like you can only do so much of it, you know, mm-hmm. like once I get going, like you get to the point where you're just like an unstoppable force and you just keep going and going and going until you get to the point where you're too severe. Because yeah, I've had races like uh, the, the New Jersey Ultra Beast in uh, 2018 where <clears throat> About a mile or so in, it was on the first downgrade. I rolled my ankle on a rock and I felt a pop. It didn't dislodge, but, you know, I did find out I ended up chipping my uh, talus bone later on. But Mm -hmm. I was in the the middle, like, of a single track trail, so I couldn't pull from the race. So I'm like, okay, I'll hobble down to the bottom of the mountain and pull myself out of it. But by the time I got down to the bottom of the mountain, you know, my foot went numb. So I'm like, all right, let me see how far I can get with this. And I ended up finishing it in like 11 hours. And then I came out the next day and did the beast. And then by Tuesday, my ankle was purple. Tuesday of that week, my ankle was purple. And I ended up um, going to the ER, getting it x-rayed. And they told me I checked my talus bone. Ooh. Yeah, which um, it didn't dislodge. So I was still able to walk. But every so often, my foot would freeze. And I just have to like kind of move it around to get it going again. But um after I did that, the ER put me in the boot in a boot for about a week. But um, you know, after after I got out of the boot, I saw the orthopedic, and the orthopedic's like, look, there's nothing we can do about it, but you have to keep it moving, otherwise it's gonna freeze. So he's like, you know, start running at about 70%, and then you can gradually pick it up to the point where you know you're going at hundred percent again. Yeah. So that weekend I signed up for the uh, Fayetteville Super and uh, Sprint and I went down there and did those two races. I didn't run, you know, I didn't run competitively or anything. I, you know, I carry the flag, but I just kind of, you know, I did them more for completion. So. Which sometimes, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. I've been, uh, I've done a couple where it's just kind of, I'm just there to complete it. Um, you know, like I was taking it easy 
I did the Seattle and Hawaii trifectas this year, like back to back weekends. But I'm doing, I've got the Ironman coming up, which actually it'll, the Ironman already would have happened by the time this airs, but I'm doing it actually this weekend. I'm doing the Ironman. But that was kind of my big focus. Well, it's like, I'm doing this. I'll reuse it at Washington. It's here in Washington. Okay. I'm doing, it's a half iron. I'm not doing the full yet. I'm not that ready for that. But, uh, okay. but it's one of those that, you know, that's been my focus is I've been pushing for that one and I didn't want to hurt myself or do something on one of the Spartan races that, you know, makes an issue. Cause that was one issue I had last year when I went for it, I, I did something to my bicep uh, in Hawaii last year, which made it a little hard to swim when I hit the, the Ironman. So, and this year I'm just trying not to. Do yeah. That. Yeah. I attended my, uh, I attended my first Ironman pretty much on a whim. I didn't train for a while. <laughs> And uh, I don't recommend that. I mean, the swim part of it wasn't too bad, though, because I did the uh, Little Debbie Ironman in uh, 2016. This mm -hmm. is probably about a month removed from when I got my um, brace off of my arm from uh, the bicep tendon surgery. But um, the swim was downstream in the, in the uh, Tennessee River, and then there was a 116-mile bike ride to make up for, you know, the easier swim and then the marathon. But I ended up uh, DNFing because I blew out a bike tire at mile 94, and I couldn't get it fixed in time. And um, yeah, they ended up pulling me off of the course. It was um, it was a rough day though, because like it was it was a heat index of about 115, I think. Ooh. So it wasn't it wasn't wetsuit legal because you know the wetsuit gives you a lot of buoyancy though. Mm -hmm. But like with that, you know, I'm not really that great of a swimmer. I side stroke the entire thing. Okay, you got through it. So so yeah, I think I you know I finished the swim in probably like about an hour 40 or somewhere somewhere around there. And then, you know, from, you know, from there, um, yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough DNF to, uh, to, uh, take with the amount of like logistics and, and funding that it costs and everything. Yeah. But uh, I did end up getting a, um, it wasn't an Ironman, but I did end up getting a, a full distance triathlon finish like later on that year in, uh, Palm Springs. It was, um, it was the hits brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that one, that one too. Yeah. That was, uh. That was the op that that was the opposite. It was super cold for the swim, and I didn't think to bring booties or gloves, so I was pretty much swimming with fists. And I got out of the water after about two hours. <laughs> I barely made the cutoff with that one though, but I still ended up uh, finishing. And I finished in like fifteen hours still. So yeah, I, I want to do one. I definitely want to do an, a a full someday, but I want to get the the half out of the way because I attempted the half last year, and what happened was one, it took me too long to get out of the water. I had I I finished in time. I I made the cut, but like just just squeezed by. But I literally like I didn't technically really know how to swim. I had someone like took a couple lessons like right beforehand. I like I'm really good at not drowning, but I'm not good at swimming. Like yeah. I'm good at just like keeping my head above water, but I'm not good at like moving. And everyone's like, well, you used to be a scuba diver. I'm like, yeah, but that's completely different. You put fins on oh, and you totally pick. Different. Total different type of swimming, you know? Yeah. And so I pretty much, I, I did not do well on the swim. I came out of the water, was having breathing problems because I have asthma and I'm like, whatever, but I'm going for it. Um, finally got my breathing under control at like mile 20. But I had, you know, it was a bike I'd borrowed. I'd rode it twice. I had like 10 miles on this bike. Um, it actually got stuck and I couldn't shift after like mile 25. So huh. it was, I was stuck in high gear so I can go pedal hard. But the second I started going up a hill, I couldn't get 
shift down to try and go up the hill. So it was, it, there was all sorts of issues. And I came in at like 14 minutes too late. So I missed the cut by 14 minutes, but it was, so now I have, I have my own bike that's downstairs. I actually just picked it back up from the, the shop, just had some work done on it so that it was ready to go for this weekend, you know, brand new tires and rims, which you'd be yeah. surprised how expensive those are, but <laughs> you know, all sorts of stuff. So I've been training a lot harder. So this year should be, should be better. So. Yeah. I learned the hard way. I don't go out there with factory tires. No. When I went out for my second one, it was, uh, it was Palm Springs. So it was in the desert. I just went to a bike store and I'm like, make those tires indestructible. So they gave me like gator skins and everything. And he's like, nothing will pierce through this. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I have gators. I put brand new gator skins on it. And yeah, um, one of the, that we me and a buddy went for a 40 mile bike ride like two weeks ago and one of the wheels was making a funny noise and i'm like yeah i can't have that so yeah but it's one of those when i bought the bike they were the tires that were on it and it's a used bike so i don't know how long they'd been you know those wheels and tires have been used so you know but yeah but it should be yeah, my uh first yeah my uh my first three triathlons were all in like an eight-day span and uh it was pretty much right after i got clearance from the orthopedic well sort of clearance <laughs> so i went so it's a funny story though because i already had a 50 mile race in uh pennsylvania scheduled for that saturday mm -hmm. and um i was supposed to do a sprint you know i was going to do a sprint triathlon sunday and then the following week i found this thing in uh, lake george called the king george challenge so it was an olympic distance on saturday and a half ironman on sunday and i did all through well before i get to that um i'm at the orthopedic and uh, I was part of this uh, airborne triathlon team, which is, the, it was a triathlon team for veterans and everything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do, I wanted to do that triathlon that Sunday. So I'm at the orthopedic and, you know, I'd already been running, even though he didn't really want me to, but um, I asked him, I'm like, you know, he, you know, he's in the middle, he's in the middle of yelling at me for doing stupid stuff or whatever, you know, because I just had the surgery and everything. So I asked him if I'm cleared, to, if, you know, if it's okay to swim. So he's like, yeah, you could swim. That's fine. You know, it's good for rehab and everything. So then I go to him like, well, can I also ride a bike? And he goes to me, he's like, yeah, I don't see why not. You know, you just have to be a little careful. I'm like, okay. So when I left the office, I call up my friend who is the, um, you know, who is the uh, founder of the team. And um, I ask him, I'm like, all right, uh, is there still, you still have spots open for that uh, sprint triathlon on Sunday? So I go to him, I'm like, all right, sign me up. So, you know, long story short, uh, over those two weekends, I do the 50 mile race in Pennsylvania, drive six hours overnight to the starting line of the triathlon, set my bike up and everything. I do the sprint triathlon. And then the, and then the following weekend, I end up finishing the King, the, uh, King George challenge. And I did all the running sections with a 45 pound pack and the flag. I obviously kept the flag in transition for the swim and the bike, Yeah, you know, and then, um, but yeah, I, I ended up completing it all. And as far as the bike training goes, it was, I was 34 at the time and I hadn't ridden a bike since high school, high school. Yeah. And I hadn't swam since I was in the Marine Corps, which was, which I got out in 2003. So this was uh 2016, but I mean, I just kind of knew how to do it, but I had the ultra running background already. So like the endurance carried over from it. But it was definitely a wake-up call. I mean, I didn't place well. I just pretty much did well enough to get through it. And I can remember when I was doing, um, I mean, I did okay with the sprint. But then when I was on the Olympic, 
I, I remember the first hill climb I hit and I'm pedaling hard, as hard as I can. And everyone's flying by me and I can't figure out what's wrong. And some lady go, starts uh, riding past me and she's like, you have to shift. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, shift. And then I start shifting. I'm like, oh, that's so much easier. <laughs> it's yeah that was one of the things that i had you know like i said when i was last year it got stuck in one gear but that that is a thing it's i've been amazed at how much faster you can go and it's still tough for me to do it if you just pedal the whole time you just put it in a lower gear yeah you just pedal the whole time and you just keep going instead of doing the thing like i've done my entire life you know put it in the hardest gear possible pretty much that i can do and pedal really hard for like you know, 30 seconds and then coast and then pedal really hard and then coast. And it's like, yeah. you burn so much more, you know, burn yourself out so much faster that way than if you just, just put it in a lower gear and just pedal. So, but yeah, this year should be good. It should be hopefully a better year for me when I do them. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting doing the Ironman. I mean, I've, I love Spartans. I love those. I mean, I love doing all that stuff, but it was just, you know, I wanted a different challenge. Um, yeah. Then, 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 you know, what I was doing with the, the Spartan races and just the normal running. And it's like, oh, let's throw, you know, swimming and, and biking into it. And I, it, the first thing that was funny when I was first talking about doing it, it was Joe DeSina's like, you know, thing that came into my brain is if it's uncomfortable, if it's going to make you uncomfortable, you should do it. And I'm like, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's what it was. I'm like, I, I'm not a good swimmer. I, I, I don't think I should do this. I don't feel comfortable. That means I should. <laughs> So, right on. So, what do you have plans coming up? Um. Well, right now, um, I just I just had um I just had a death in the family. My mom passed away like um a little over a week ago. So I'm sorry. To my season's that. currently on hold. Um, my uh my original my original plan what this year for this year was to max out all the U.S. trifectas and then potentially go to Greece for um, you know, to get the shield and everything, which mm -hmm. requires thirteen trifectas. But um, I ended up, uh, I got number 10 at West Virginia. And then the week after that is when everything happened. So, you know, I, mi I missed, um, I missed Killington this weekend because I was uh, down taking care of my mom's stuff. And, um, you know, like um, uh, Tahoe is still up in the air, but chances are I'm not going to be out of that one. So right now I'm just on pause until I get everything situated with that. But, um, yeah, like, I don't really, I don't usually, I, uh, I, I set my goals like one year at a time. Like, you know, there's, there, there, like, there's been, there's been years like 20, um, 2014 is pretty much what, well, 2013, or let me just bet, let me go back track doing races in 2010. Yeah. So I just did it as a fun thing to do with, uh, some of my friends in the military. So I did, um, the army birthday part of North Carolina then after that I shot straight for a marathon <clears throat> and um you know my very first marathon I was I was in um I didn't get all the way through it but I was in the special forces qualification course at the time mm -hmm. and um I'm set to do this marathon on Sunday and I get a text from our um our uh, class leader saying that we had a 12 mile ruck that was supposed to be rescheduled earlier in the week they scheduled it for the Monday right after the marathon so I was originally supposed to run this marathon with my friend, but my friend had bailed because he didn't want to um, fail out of the course, but I went for it anyway. 
And um, I ended up finishing the marathon in about three and a half hours. And then the next day I came out like sore as hell for this uh, 12 mile ruck march. So we had to put, um, you know, we had to put a 45 pound ruck on our back, which is, uh, you know, 45 pounds dry. So dry means it doesn't include the, um, the uh, two two quart canteens plus the camel back we had in there of water. And it also, it doesn't count any consumables. So the MRE we had didn't count either. So it's probably like closer to 65, 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then we had to, we had to do it in um, our service uniform boots. And we had to carry a rubber rifle while we were doing it. And you had, you basically had three hours to cover 12 miles. So I ended up coming in at about two hours and 20 minutes or some, or, or, or some change like that. And I actually almost got in trouble for it because I, I, cro- I crossed the finish line and then they're weighing my pack in. And one of my, you know, the cadre is uh, weighing my pack in. And uh, one of my friend, one of my buddies comes up to me. He's like, damn, dude, didn't you just run a marathon yesterday? <laughs> so the cadre overhears it. And he's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa stop. He's like uh, a half or a full. And I'm like, oh, a full sergeant. And, um, you know, those guys, they don't like showboaters. So, mm-hmm. you know, this dude, like, and I, I figured I'm going to get a good job, whatever. And he's like, no, he's, he immediately starts like ripping me to pieces. He's like, oh, what if you would have went down as heat casualty? What if this? What if that? He's like, you know what? Don't even do push-ups. Just go stand over there because you'll probably like it too much. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he eventually came by and apologized to me later. But at the same time, like, I think he just had that initial reaction, like, oh, what's wrong with this dude, you know? But he, he gave me the talk. He's like, look, I know you got life goals, but, you know, get through the course first. He's like, um you know, you need to stop waking up at 3 a.m. and working out before we do our workouts. You need to stop doing marathons every weekend. You know, so I'm probably the only one that the only person in the military that's ever been told to train less. <laughs> hey, I mean, so, if that's what you like, but I mean, it's one of those things I know that, you know, they worry that that the overtraining, but I don't know. I, I've never really liked that word. I mean, I've used it a few times recently and I keep thinking about it more and more. And it's like our bodies are made to do this. It's just a matter if we do it right. So I don't think it's overtraining, it's incorrect training. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also a difference between like overtraining and like overreaching. Yes. Yep. And those are so, two. So, you know, I mean, obviously to get better, you have to uh, say that again. I'm sorry, I broke up. I was a like, bit. Yeah, the, the, you're right. Those are two different things. That overtraining and overreaching are two different things. Yeah. But, you know, like um, you always have to break that comfort zone a little bit in order to get better. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you always have to suffer a little bit just to get a little bit better. I mean, you know, there are people that overdo it, but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, if you're constantly comfortable while you're training, you don't really improve. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's that fine line, but, you know, I mean, I crossed it when I was doing all those undermilers. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that, um, like every, every weekend just felt like a death sentence. Like, you know, just getting through the night was always the worst part. I'd puke at some point and, you know, there was, there'd be weekends where like 3am, I can't stay awake anymore. So I would start to sprint just to make myself puke, just to keep myself awake. You know, I'd usually, um, well, you know, those type of races are more about like preparation than anything though. Yes. So, you know, like, I mean, yeah, any I well, I shouldn't say anybody, but like you, you know, like if you train yourself up 
to, you know, like to a decent level of fitness, you know, it's more, it ends up, you know, once you have that base level, it's more mental than anything, you know? So like you have to go into, you know, like, I mean, there's, there's some freaks of nature that could just run the entire time, mm-hmm. but you always need like a plan going into it. And um, I always found that the flat ones were the worst because the same muscles are taking the same beating over and over again. Yeah. So my, you know, the very first hundred miler I did, I actually ended up getting rabdo because I didn't know that. So, you know, my very first one, I straight up ran the first 50, came in at about 10 hours and then finished it in 29 hours and 25 minutes. And um, it took me about an hour to get the last two miles in. My legs just liquefied themselves, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's just from, uh, you know, lack of preparation and everything. And that's what a lot of this is. A lot of people don't think about that, that a lot of this is preparation. There are those people that, you know, can just go out there and do like a Spartan, do all those things like in a weekend, whatever. But when you start getting into the hundred milers and all that, if you're not prepping for them, if you're not ready for them, I mean, you got to be fueling correctly. You got to fuel correctly when you're out on the course. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, I get all the time. I see people on like some of the pages that I'm on and stuff. People like, Oh, what should I use for, you know, I'm doing a race next weekend. What should I have for, you know, food? And I'm like, you should have figured that out a long time ago. Yeah, because you're not going to try new something new the morning of or during the race because you don't know how your stomach and how your body's going to react to it. Oh yeah, and that, I've made those mistakes plenty of times too. Oh, yeah. though. Like never everybody has though, because you know if you, yeah. you know, like not you know you don't always know what you're doing when you first get out there and everything mm-hmm. though, and then after you do a few of them, you start to develop a system and everything, and you know you pretty much a lot of times like you know you can give suggestions to somebody. But for the most part, like every, like what works for one person might not work for another one. It's real. Those, those type of races are really more about like knowing yourself, you know? So like what I do, what I do for myself might not work for somebody, you know? So you start coming up with a system, like, you know, I'd always keep like a, like a bunch of like five hour energies on me just in case I, st- I started the crash and usually I preload. So like I, but I, but I monitor what I do. So, and like, you know, they, this isn't really recommended, but I'd also pop a little bit of, um, you know, um, ibuprofen too, though, to kind of keep the swelling at bay. But I make sure I keep it at the recommended dosage. I don't like overdo it. Yeah. So like usually what I would do though, is I'd have like the little formula, like every like five hours, I would do like, you know, two ibuprofens and a five hour energy. And I would keep that running. And then every, every like 10 miles or so, I would stretch the legs out real quick though, because the stretching helps, you know, bring you back into it. You know, and then, um, you know, like when I was doing the 100 milers, I was short on funding, but most of, most of your 100 miles, the aid stations are very well stocked. Yeah. So like every aid station, I just grab a ton of food, shove it down real quick. And then a lot of times I would like eat as I was walking. So I was still, I was still covering ground, but at the same time I was refueling, you know, so like usually with like a hundred mile race, when, you know, when you get out of the aid station, it's also like a lot of times the hundred mile race though, too, it, it like pays to know what kind of course you're getting into, you know, cause you could have one that's flat or you could have one that's got like 30,000 feet of gain, you know, or you can, you know, you, or you could have gently rolling Hills. And then you could also have one where there might be like 10 plus mile gaps in between aid stations. So that's the type of stuff that you want to know ahead of time. So like you, so that way, you know, if you, need like on course nutrition. I mean, you should always have water on you and at least like some kind of emergency calories, regardless, just in case you hit a wall and you need to bring yourself back. 
Because what I found out with a lot of these things, though, too, is sometimes even if you get sick, like in the beginning, you could like you, you're never out of it. You can still pull yourself back together. And then all of a sudden, like a couple of hours later, feel fine. You know, like I had one race. It was the uh, Pine Creek uh, 100. It was the third one I did mm-hmm. around mile 40. I was puking. And, all I, and you know, it was, it, I was in the sunlight. I was overheating a little bit. So basically all I did was I just pulled the uh, I just pulled the pace back a little bit. And I just waited it out. And then before he knew it, I was, uh, I was back to running again. And I ended up, that was, it was a tight one, but I finished it in like around 29 and change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my fastest one was uh 2253 or, or 22. Yeah. 2253. And uh, that was the uh, skydive ultra in uh, Florida. Nice. Yeah, yeah and, uh, one of the things that helped keep me awake through the night is it was like raining sideways, so it kept me awake. Oh, I bet. But, yeah, I do a crazy uh, 24-hour event every June, and there's a, a special buckle if somebody hits 100 miles and nobody's done it yet. Which one is it? It's the CSU Pacific Northwest. Okay. So it's the CSU 24-hour. They end up for, if you go for the 100-miler, I think they give you 30 hours instead of the 24 it might be a little more than that but yeah they give you extra time but it's like nobody i think the closest anyone came i think was this year and someone hit like 80 so yeah nobody's been able to hit the 100 yet most i've done on it was 35 but i'm not i'm you know like this year i had 35 but it was all of a sudden i like every part of my body cramped and i think what it was is i tried food that i normally don't i was normally don't have like cup of noodle or anything like that because of all the salt and yeah. I was, that's one of the things that one of my race partners had. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll try one. And I did that. And right after I did that, like my entire body just cramped. I'm like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. And that's where, and, then, and that's what it comes down to too. Like a lot of times what works for one person might not work for another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like most of the times, especially too, on game day, you never try anything new. You just roll with what you got, and, you know? Yeah, and that was my mistake. I grabbed something different. Normally for me, whether I do anything like when I've done the Spartan Ultras and stuff, which I know is only 30 miles and stuff like that. But um, for me, it's peanut butter sandwiches. That's my, I like the peanut butter sandwiches for my, my fuel. And then something with sugar in it. Yeah, with the, uh, with the Ultras, I mean, I've used, uh, I've used Uncrustables before. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I have uh, 17 Spartan Ultra finishes. So like, um, I've had times where, you know, I've used like, um, uncrustables and stuff like that, but generally transition area, believe it or not, I'll, I'll, I'll get a couple of hot pockets from a gas station and I'll just throw them in, I'll just throw them in, uh, either my bucket or transition bag, whatever I use. And then, uh, by the time I get the transition, they're thawed out. So I'll eat them real fast. They're, they're, they're easily digestible. You know, they're just a quick hit of calories and it keeps you in it. And then usually I'll have like a lot of shop blocks and stuff like that. I'll shove in my camel back and every, every, like every, like two hours or so I'll try to, you know, down some calories. I mean, right now I, my races are a little bit prolonged because I don't finish them as fast as I used to. Like, um, the fastest, cause there were a couple of them. Like I know the, um, the ultra in South Carolina, in um 2018 i finished that one in like around six and a half hours so you know that one i i obviously didn't really do too much for nutrition i just downed something at the um transition area really fast but like events like killington for example where you're basically riding cutoffs 
mm-hmm. like an event like that, or even like in, even in like, even in like Hawaii, Hawaii took me a little over 12 hours to finish. So like with that one, I made sure that I had, you know, like, um, you know, like a bunch of shop blocks and then I would have a few cliff bars if I needed solid food. And then, you know, I still carried like some emergency caffeine on me just in case I needed a boost. But, um, you know, yeah, with the long, you know, a lot of it's, uh, you know, the ones that take longer to do, I always make sure I have more nutrition on me. And then the ones that are like flat and fast, you know, I don't really carry as much, but I'll always make sure I have something on me just in case I hit that wall. Cause like anything, anything ultra distance is all about preparation. It is. And it's like you said too, the other thing you want to check with is like what kind of like with Spartan, most time we know there's only going to be a couple drink stations, a couple, you know, hydration yeah. stations, stuff like that. So you kind of have to bring your own stuff. Um, the one, like I said, mentioned the Sisu, that's all self-supported. There's nothing out there. It's all a big, huge trail system and you, you, you take what you need. Um, and then I've done a couple other ones. Like one of the marathons I did, it was, I'd done it the year before and I knew like every three miles they had hydration and they had, you know, like you could grab a goo or something like that. They had a couple of those. And I'm like, I know what they have on this one. It's every three miles. So I just had a little, that one, I just took like a little pack that had, you know, cause I have a, it looks like a little fanny pack that holds my, my bib but also has like a little storage area. And I've just put like two or three, you know, waffles in there and just in case. But other than that, I knew I could just go for it. And then I didn't have to carry anything with me because I knew they were there. But other ones yeah. I've been on, like I said, the Sisu, it's it's all self-supported. Yeah. So, and that's always good to know. What are you going to, what do I need to bring with me? Yeah. I don't know. Was there anything else you want to tell the listeners while while we got you? We're getting close to that hour mark, so and Don gets mad at me if I go past that. Yeah, um, I I, I think I covered just about anything. Is there anything else you want to do? Uh, ask me or not really. I mean, I, you you covered everything that I kind of wanted. I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean, to do all the to do all those races with the flag. I mean, everything else and just to push your body to those limits. I mean, it's great to see. You know, someone push like that. I mean, you don't see that much anymore where someone just pushes themselves to those limits. So, and it's, it's impressive to see. So. Yeah. And, um, well, I've done a lot of stuff too, though, where sometimes I'll even like push the, uh, travel limits. Like I had, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll tell one more quick story real quick. Like, um, do it like 2018, for example, I was, uh, I ended up with like 12 trifectas that year. Mm-hmm. And the issue I had was I was short on supers. So the, you know, I was, uh, there was one weekend where I was slotted to do the Dallas ultra and, um, there was a super the next day in Atlanta that I needed. So I didn't have, I could, you know, I couldn't get a, I couldn't get connecting flights or anything. And if I got a, and if I got a flight to Dallas and then a return flight from Atlanta, um, the drive in between the rental car fees were like through the roof to return it. So I ended up just taking my own car. So that, that weekend from, I I left the day early. So like from New York, I drove 26 hours straight to get down to pack a pickup for the ultra. I picked the packet up and then I came out the next day. I actually took first in the open heat, you know, with the, with the flag and everything. And then I immediately hopped in my car, drove about 10, I think it was like eight to 10 hours overnight to Atlanta, straight to the super parking lot. You know, I, um, you know, I, I finished the super, you know, so that was, I believe trifecta number either 10 or 11 for that year. 
And then after that, I drove, I drove to my, I drove to my mom's house in North Carolina after that. And then I, uh, I slept for a little bit and then I drove back to New York. So I covered probably about, about 3000 miles or so in like four days. Wow. That's some driving. That's some driving. Yeah. And Dallas is a good one. I've done the Dallas ultra last year. I did the Dallas ultra. So okay. that's a nice flat, easy one. Yeah. Well, this is at, um, this is at Glen Rose. So yeah. This is before they moved it. Yeah. yeah. So Glen, Glen Rose is a, is a little bit more hilly than the new one. That's what I've heard that. Yeah. The new one's a lot flatter than they said Glen Rose and Glen Rose was considered flat. So this is, yeah. It's been great talking to you. I, I hope that someday I actually get to meet you in person. That sounds pretty, you know, you sound like you'd be a fun person to, to, to get to know in person and all that. So try to keep I'm up sure with you. Know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the races that you lifted up that, that, that you listed earlier, I was actually at. <laughs> no, probably. It's one of those things. It's so funny. I'll talk to people. I'm like, oh yeah, I've been this one and that one. They're like, oh yeah, I was there. So, and it's so funny how it's like, oh, we probably crossed paths. So, well, hopefully I, I run into you at one of them and I, I get to meet you in person, but it's been very nice talking to you and getting to know you. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, definitely. Thank you for so much for having me on. Oh, anytime. Thank you and have, have a good evening. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.